What's going on, everybody? I'm Thomas Robertson, your host, and this is Outside the Glass, episode 9. Before we get into all the NHL news and coverage that we're going to be bringing you today, I'd like to start off by saying our website has launched. PureSportsNetwork.com is now live. You can catch all our podcasts on there, along with fantastic content, fantastic articles coming out every day in all the major sports college and professional. It's been really exciting. We've already had a lot of articles coming out. We've got a handful of NHL articles articles out already. And we'd love it if you just give it a visit and check it out, puresportsnetwork.com. And with that out of the way, we're going to get into all of the hockey news. We had a busy night in the NHL last night and quite a few different headlines, some more serious than others. Start off on a lighter note. Uh, Nazem Kadri, the, the the Sharks and the Maple Leafs played last night, and right off the bat, Nazem Kadri and Joe Thornton mixed it up and dropped the gloves early, and it was a horrible fight. That's not really the focus of the story, but they they came together, and in most hockey fights, you'll have the two fighters having one hand grabbing onto the jersey of the opponent and one hand to throw punches and throw jabs and straight rights and hooks. And in this particular instance, Nassim Kadri grabs onto to Thornton, but he doesn't necessarily get his jersey. He's actually grabbing onto his beard for most of the fight. It was a real quick fight, only lasted about 15 seconds, but... Kadri was grabbing onto Thornton's beard, and as they come down, I guess he he kind of yanks Thornton to the ground by his beard. And when the refs separate them, Kadri drops just a pile of Joe Thornton's beard hair onto the ice. And it was just a really funny moment. Probably not as funny for, for Jumbo Joe. I'm sure that was very painful, actually. And you can see kind of when Joe Thornton gets up, from the scrap, you can actually see that the right side of his beard is a little bit less full than the other side, so it's absolutely hilarious video, check that out, it's on YouTube, I think Sportsnet posted that video to YouTube, so it's really funny, and again, probably not as funny for Thornton as it probably hurt pretty bad, but nobody was really hurt in the fight, so I guess that was really the biggest casualty, it was Joe Thornton's beard, and... Other news from the NHL, the Panthers and Bruins were supposed to play last night, but that game was postponed due to severe weather in Boston. There's been quite the blizzard going on in in the New England area, in in the northeast area of America. So, it's kind of unfortunate. I was particularly looking forward to this matchup because... It, it would have likely featured two goaltenders that I've been talking a, a bit about recently on the show. That's James Reimer and Tuka Rask. Reimer for the Panthers and Rask, obviously, for the Bruins. And, yeah, I was really looking forward to this matchup because these are two, two of the hottest goalies in the league. Reimer did lose his last matchup, but before that, he had won five in a row. And in those five wins... Posted a 1.2 goals against, a 9.66 save percentage, and two shutouts, which those numbers are off the charts. 
it's a smaller sample size, so you've got the chance to put those kind of numbers up, but still, 966 save percentage over five games is absolutely incredible. And the Panthers had it going a little bit too with those with that young group of forwards that they had that they that they do have. So I was really looking forward to this matchup. It was very unfortunate that it got postponed. It was gonna be probably the main game that I focused on watching for last night. I wanted to see if Reimer could return to that win streak form. And also Tuka Rask is probably the hottest goaltender in the league. 11-0-1 in his last 12. 12-game point streak for Rask, earning his team points in net. And in those 12 games, Rask posted a 1.25 goals against, a 9.54 save percentage, and two shutouts. So numbers just slightly worse than Reimers in his streak, but this is a much larger sample size for Rask. Much more impressive to post those kind of numbers over an extended period of time. And Rask actually earned the first star for December, NHL's star of the month for December. Definitely well-deserved. He has been incredible. The beginning of this season, he actually started off on a, on a pretty shaky foot, and the Bruins pulled him in favor of Anton Kudobin, who started a few games. And he played really well for them, um, earned them a few wins, but... They decided to put Rask back in there just because of his pedigree and how well he's played over his career, and it was a smart move. I think they just pulled him to send a message, really, rather than saying, oh, you're not playing well. We have a better chance to win with Kudo, but I don't think they necessarily thought that, but they were just going to say, we're going to sit you for a little bit so you can you can get your game back on the right track and kind of send, send you a message. And the message was really well received, obviously, with Rask. He's been the best goaltender in the league and the best player in the league for the last month or so. And, yeah, I was just really looking forward to seeing... seeing. I, I love those games where it's like 1-0 or 2-1, 2-0. I love those grinder games, and I love to see incredible goaltending. So it would have been a really fun one to watch. Unfortunately, it's going to be put on the back burner. I don't think they've put out a date for when they're going to reschedule this game, but we'll look out for that. And some other bigger news last night. Rasmus Ristolainen, a Buffalo Sabres defenseman, young defenseman who they're going to they're going to really build around and count on to build around in Buffalo. He's really he's an incredible player. He can defend incredibly well with the stick and the body. He's got great speed, and he can contribute offensively really well. So, Ristolainen and the Sabres took on the Minnesota Wild last night, and Ristolainen actually received a five-minute major in game misconduct in this game for a hit on Miku Koivu. Minnesota Wild veteran forward, and there's been some some controversy around this hit, and what happened was it was called on the ice for interference. What happened was Miku Koivu's taking the puck in, and he, he brings it in past the blue line, and dishes it off to the right side, and Ristolainen comes in immediately from Koivu's left, and... As soon as he passes that puck, Ristolainen's in pretty quickly and 
catches him up high in the head, neck area, kind of. It looked more like he really hit him. Most of the contact was on the shoulder, but there was definitely some contact to the head, neck area. And they called it interference and assessed a five-minute major in game misconduct for Ristolainen. Koivu was bloodied up pretty badly, had a pretty pretty nasty-looking cut on his lip. And so, Ristolainen goes off for the rest of the game, and he's going to be facing a suspension, possibly, from the league. And I really don't like this call. I mean, we've talked about it with this Zach Ronaldo play. And I was on the other side of the coin here, saying that I don't think Ronaldo deserved... Or I do think that Ronaldo deserved a more severe punishment. And that he didn't get it because the injuries weren't as severe. I, I, I've i long taken issue with the NHL doling out penalties and suspensions for more severe injuries rather than just the nature of the play that occurred. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Because... Koivu came off with a, with it was he was bleeding significantly, had a nasty cut. And so I think that the referee saw that and assessed the five minute major in the game misconduct. Now there are some penalties where if blood is drawn, it's automatically a major penalty with a high sticking, you get an automatic double minor if there's blood drawn. So I guess I can kind of understand that, but still not really. I still think that's kind of a dumb rule. But because you can have a you can have a you can have a high stick that hits a player and doesn't draw any blood that could be one of the most egregious high sticks of all time and then you could have a high stick that's kind of light but hits him on the lips so you get a cut and there's blood so I, I don't I think that's kind of a dumb rule too but whatever it's part of the game but a game misconduct is is drawing the line for me. I think that's way too much for this hit. I don't think it's interference, period. I think there's a terrible interference call if we want to just talk about interference because Miku Koivu moves the puck and within one second, Ristolainen lays the hit down. So I think that's a legal hit in terms of whether it's interference or not. Now, the location of the hit, I th- there's definitely some issue to be taken there because he hits him a little bit high. So I, I can understand the penalty for it. But for for roughing or whatever you want to call on that, but I think a game misconduct is way too much. I think a major is almost drawing the line. I think that's almost too much. I think it really should just be a two minute minor for roughing. If you really if you look back at the nature of the play, Ristolainen doesn't come in maliciously. I don't think. I think he just kind of makes a mistake and hits him up a little higher than he wanted to. But I don't think that he's coming in saying I'm about to take this guy's head off. At all, because he doesn't really have the momentum. He doesn't have the speed coming in. Even if you watch it in at full speed, it doesn't look that dangerous of a play to me. So, again, I think the referees saw the injury that Koivu got from this hit and said, he's done. We're sending him off. Rather than looking at the nature of the play and what Ristolainen's intention was with the hit. Which is what I think you should be looking at regardless. Somebody could break their jaw and, you know, get a huge gash on their cheek. But if it's not a dangerous play, if it just happens, 
if it's just kind of a freak thing, like there might be some penalty there that causes that injury, but it's not necessarily malicious, then I still don't think it should be a game misconduct. No matter what the extent of the injury is, it's unfortunate that those injuries happen, and I definitely empathize with the players that receive them, but in the long run, there has to be intent. There has to be a dangerous play made by the aggressor. And it, it, the NHL is going to say it's a matter of protecting players, but I think that's a, that's ridiculous. I think that's not a fair thing to say because of what you saw with the Ronaldo incident in that he didn't get the punishment that I think a lot of people were expecting because the injury wasn't there. Even though that's so much more of a dangerous play than other things that have gotten five-game, six-game suspensions. So... When you talk about protecting players, it's punishing dangerous plays even if there's no injury, not punishing injury plays that cause injury that weren't necessarily dangerous. That's what it is to me. That's how you protect your players, by by preventing dangerous plays rather than punishing plays that result in injury whether they're not dangerous or, or if they are. So... I think that's a big problem. I think it really needs to be addressed at some point. Hopefully this offseason that they'll bring that up. I, I I doubt it though. But to me, there's been a lot of backlash from fans, a lot of backlash from critics on the way the NHL has handled these types of plays. And it, it has to stop. They, they've got to find a more consistent way to rule on these type of plays. Anyways, we had quite a few great games last night in the NHL. And we're going to start with a Metropolitan Division battle, a shootout. It doesn't go into a shootout, however, it's it's just a good old-fashioned Western shootout. Ten total goals scored in the game. Philadelphia takes down the New York Islanders 6-4. to four. And these are two potent offenses in the league. You look at Philadelphia, they've got one of the best top lines, most potent top lines in the game with... Giroux, Voracek, Couturier. And Voracek last night actually reached his 40th assist. Which is absolutely insane. I mean, like that's... He's on pace for 80 assists. And I know a lot of people hate like, oh, he's on pace for this and that. Because it's just kind of an unrealistic projection that he can keep it going. But he can keep it going with the players that he has around him. And it's been a large sample. It's been halfway through the season. So, no reason to expect that he can't reach 80 assists, which is an incredible number. And I think this Philadelphia team has a lot of upside. I think that they could still make the playoffs. I think that's not out of reach for this team by any means. They need a little bit more contribution from secondary guys, which they did get a little bit last night. Wayne Simmons scores a goal. And Provorov scored two goals as well. So, on the other side of the coin, the Islanders are, are falling from grace in a, in a pretty big way. And it's it's troubling if you're a New York fan because of the reasons. The main reason that I see with this team, it's really two things. Is that they've got two huge injuries to their blue line in Calvin DeHaan and Johnny Boychuk. 
And DeHaan is going to miss the rest of the season. He's he's undergoing shoulder surgery. So that's very concerning if you're a New York fan due to the fact that you're you're, you're he's done. He's done for the rest of the season, and you're going to have to find some way to fill that void. On top of that, Johnny Boychuk, with what looked like not too concerning of a lower body injury, has turned into something that he's actually going to miss at least through the All-Star break. And that's that's another 10 games at least for this New York team. Without those two guys, I mean, once they get Boychuk back, it'll be a little... It'll ease that burden a little bit without Dahan, but with these two guys out, two of your best blue liners, it's going to be really tough for them to recover from that. And it's been very noticeable missing these two guys on the blue line. They've lost four in a row after last night's loss to Philadelphia, letting up six goals. And in those four games, they've let in four, six, five, and six goals. So this team is having a really, really tough time preventing goals. And what doesn't help on top of those two injuries is their goaltending has been awful. Yaroslav Halak and Thomas Grice are not getting it done by any sense of the imagination. So it's unfortunate because this Islander team is probably more talented on offense than this Philadelphia team. They have so many talented players and they have three guys, two with 50 plus points, one with I think 39, Anders Lee has 39 points or so, but he's got 24 goals. So you got two 50 point scorers and another guy with 24 goals and you're still on a four game losing streak and, and falling fast down the Metro division standings. It's, Unfortunate to see because they're a really exciting team to watch. Tavares and Josh Bailey have had unreal seasons. Anders Lee's breaking out and he's getting to the dirty areas, getting tip-ins, getting rebounds right in front of the net. You love to see that if you're a New York fan, but the only chance that they have to win for quite a, for the foreseeable future for this team is to purely outscore the other team and I understand that's the basic goal of hockey but I'm talking about you gotta expect to score five or six goals a night if you want to win because of how many goals they're letting in they just have to focus on outscoring because they have no chance of preventing goals from the other team without those two guys and with their again awful goaltending so it's been a struggle if you're an Islander fan to watch this team and frustration is definitely building there because of how they got off to a great start and now they're 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 pretty much squandering it with with the losses they've had on the blue line and with their goal tonight I wouldn't be surprised to see them actually try to make a move for either a top number one defenseman or for a a more reliable goaltender It'll be interesting to see what happens with that scenario. And another team that's kind of disappointing in the Metro is the Pittsburgh Penguins, who took a 4 to nothing loss last night to the Carolina Hurricanes. And it was an embarrassing loss for Pittsburgh. They were outshot 33-21. And just the other night before this game, Pittsburgh beat Philadelphia 5-1, to one, and they held Philly to one goal, which has been very tough to do for any team this season. And then they turn around and allow four to the Hurricanes and put up nothing. So, 
It's been tough to read this Pittsburgh team. After that fought, after that huge win over Philly, I thought, you know what? I think they're in good shape from here on out. They they got Justin Schultz and Chris Letang back for that flyer game. And I thought that was going to be an instant difference maker for them in terms of shutting teams down and also getting more production as Latang has helped this Pittsburgh team on offense for quite some time now. So I did not expect this, 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 this response after that huge win from, uh, from Pittsburgh to only generate 21 shots is pitiful. To allow four goals on 33 shots is pitiful. So, I thought Schultz and Latang were going to be more of a difference maker going forward. But, and I can't blame anything on Matt Murray because he had a great game and he made a lot of great saves. Most of those goals you can't really blame on him. And he's going to be one of those shining lights and one of those hopes that they can still make the playoffs going forward is being able to lean on Matt Murray. But the biggest trouble with this team, even though they've let they let in four goals to the Hurricanes last night, is I think it's just going to take some time for this defense core to gel back again with Schultz back in the mix. But the biggest trouble for them is their secondary scoring right now. And Carl Haglin has underperformed massively. He is normally a guy you can count on for maybe half point a game, but right now he's he's scored six points in 40 games. So that's definitely not getting it done for them. Jake Gensel, a guy that showed so much promise last season, scoring at a great rate during the regular season and then elevating his game for the playoffs. He was one of the big reasons they were able to to win the cup last season with the way he played. And now he's still got 23 or so points, but he scored 21 points in 25 playoff games last in the playoffs. So you want to see him continue to develop and elevate his game because he definitely has the potential to be a bona fide star in this league and for this Penguins team, but he hasn't quite elevated his game and taken it to the next level. So Connor Sheary as well, he's done okay for them, but last season almost a point per game. This season, you know, not not even quite half point a game. So he's got to elevate his game and continue to develop as well. And they just haven't gotten the production that they'd like to see from a lot of those guys. Nick Benino and Chris Kunitz are gone for them now, and they haven't they haven't been replaced sufficiently at all for this team. So they've definitely struggled to generate points on the offense, and even Sidney Crosby has not been generating the offense that he's used to generating. He's under a point per game rate halfway through the season, and. Every this was an incredible stat to me is that every season in his career so far, he has generated well over a point per game. Every single season he's since he's been in the league. So this season under a point per game pace, well into the season, not generating as many shots, especially over these last ten games or so. He's just not putting pucks on net. 
and it's concerning for Pittsburgh, both with their stars not doing what they need to do and with those de- developing players and secondary guys not not generating near enough offense. Colorado gets a win over another Metro opponent, the Columbus Blue Jackets, 2 to nothing, And this is a four-game win streak now for Colorado. Look out. Because this avalanche is coming for every team in the league. I mean, they have young talent on both sides. But the real story has been Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rontanen have been absolutely incredible for this team. Again, a four-game winning streak in that stretch. Nathan McKinnon has put up seven points. And Miko Rontanen has put up six points and three goals. And these two guys are dynamic. We've got an article up on the site about Nathan McKinnon and how he's been able to find success this season. He is fast, one of the most skilled players in the game, and he's truly having an MVP caliber season, in case you didn't know. 49 points, fifth best in the league in points scoring right now, and he's been the difference maker for this Avalanche team 100%. Tyson Berry is out. We talked about that earlier on the show, but they've still only allowed six goals in the last four games and are still generating production. Barry was big on the offensive side of the puck as well, but they're still putting up points because of those two young guys. They've stepped up. They've answered the call, and Colorado's looking like they could actually miraculously be a playoff team this season after everyone counted them out and said they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. If it weren't for Vegas being a new expansion team, then I think preseason everybody had this Colorado team at the bottom of the table. So it's it's been really fun to see what they've been able to do and prove everybody wrong. Speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, they took a 2-1 loss in regulation to St. Louis. So that regulation loss snaps a 13-game point streak for Vegas. The longest such streak for an expansion team's first season. It's been truly incredible what they've been able to do. But they take the loss last night to St. Louis. And the Blues, interestingly enough, have not scored more than three goals since Jaden Schwartz's injury on December 9th. That's 13 games for the Blues where they haven't scored more than three goals. So they're really struggling to score goals without, again, Schwartz was one of, one of their most, one of their, one of their highest producing players in terms of points and offense. He generated so much offense with that Shen-Tarasenko line. But they're able to grind another win out last night. They're on a three-game win streak despite their poor offensive production. And again, they've kind of had to change their identity without Schwartz. They've always been a physical team, a team that can that can grind and adapt to whatever style you want to play. But this season, they're definitely relying more on their more on their point scoring and more on their forwards rather than their back end. So since Schwartz went down, they've definitely transitioned their game a little bit to more playing out of the D zone and trying to turn defense into offense and kind of quick strike rather than just possessing and owning the puck. And they've been sound defensively, and what they've done also recently is really leaned on their emerging goaltender, Carter Hutton. Since Schwartz's injury, Hutton has posted a 1.4 goals against and a 930 save percentage 
including a 48 save shutout, which is absolutely ridiculous. Again, talked about it. They they've they haven't possessed the puck as much. They have those games where they allow 48 shots. I mean, they haven't done that except for one time, but they're allowing more shots, playing out of the back more. But Carter Hutton's been up to the task, and Jake Allen was his team's starting goaltender, but the way Hutton's played, he's he's earned that starting job right now in St. Louis, and, and he's playing fantastic. So, sort of a transition for St. Louis, but they're still able to find wins. Again, a three-game win streak for them. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they continue to adapt their game without Schwartz and once he comes back, how how their play style changes once again. Been fun to watch the St. Louis team so far and they, they pick up a win against one of the best teams in the league, Vegas, last night. Arizona tops Nashville last night. 3-2. to two. Again, Nashville's been one of the best teams in the league. They've They've come on strong in the second half of this first half of the season, so the second quarter of the season. They came on pretty strong. Now they're they're dropping off again. And this win this loss to Arizona last night certainly embodies the the struggles that they've had over the past few games. The good news for Nashville is they get Ryan Ellis back and he gets his first point of the season last night with a goal against Arizona. But the bad news is that Philip Forsberg is out four to six weeks for them. He, Forsberg, obviously, I would say their most dynamic forward on this team. He is fast, skilled, can pass, can shoot. He can do it all that you want your your skill starred forward to do. And this, this Predators team is not one that's flashy. It's not one that is full of skilled forwards. It's got more grinder guys on the forward side that can get to the dirty areas. They can play a rough game. They can forecheck well. But Forsberg is it, is that exception to this offense where he he's definitely plays a prettier brand of hockey. But it fits really well with this Nashville team. And that loss is going to be big, but I think it's still okay in Nashville despite this terrible this loss to the worst team in the league last night. I think it's still okay for them. Not, not, no reason for panic, no reason for worry, I think, for Nashville because you get Ryan Ellis back. And this team, without a doubt, their focus is defense. If you look at, at their, the contracts that they've signed, five of their six defensemen have a cap hit of 2.5 million or more. And it's a pretty, big increase after that 2.5 million. I think the next lowest is like 3.75 million. Obviously PK Subban making 9 million and Roman Yossi making 4 million. So it it's not even a question to me that this team has the best top 4 defensemen in the league. Their top two pairings to me easily the best with Yossi Ellis, PK Subban and Matthias Ekholm. The that's just an unreal lineup. I mean, any one of those guys could be the top defenseman for certain teams in this league. So, to get Ellis back into that fold is huge for them. It's leadership for them, and it's it's a really strong defenseman on the back end for them as well. 
to see him get a point is great. But what he brings to this team is so much more than just than offensive production. He he does it all. So it's not good to have Forsberg out. You'd obviously ideally like Ellis to be joining a team with Forsberg and the rest of the guys healthy, but it would have been worse for this Forsberg injury to come before Ellis was ready to come back. To not have both of those guys would be a huge hit for them on both sides of the puck, but I think this team can still take over with their defense and beat pretty much any team in the league. They, they can shut down any team. High-powered teams like Tampa Bay, New York Islanders, they can shut them down for zero goals any given night with the defensemen that they have. So I think they'll be fine. I think they'll survive and go at least 500 or above without... Forsberg, and once he comes back, look out for this Nashville team to make a run late and into the playoffs and possibly make it back to the Cup. I see this team being that good, and it's going to be fun to watch what they do for the rest of the season. Last season was electric when they made it all the way to the Cup Final. Wouldn't mind seeing that again from this team, just of how fun it was, and the atmosphere in Nashville was incredible. So, moving on to tonight. The matchup that I'm going to be looking at the most is Penguins-Islanders because of what we've talked about on the show so far. These are two teams that desperately need a win, especially in division would be huge. These are two teams fighting for that wild card spot, for one of those wild card spots in the East. And they're good, to, they're, despite their records, just having more regulation wins and losses, bar- or just having more wins than losses, barely, it's still going to be fun. To watch these teams, they have so much skill uh, in the forward position, both of them. And it, it this game means a lot. For only being halfway through the season, this game is one of the most meaningful games in the Eastern Conference so far in terms of fighting for those, for those playoff spots that are going to be available. So, definitely going to want to watch that one. Talked about this Penguins team struggling on defense, even though they've added Schultz and Latang back. Still having trouble preventing goals. They let up four to Carolina last night again. So the Islanders also having massive struggles on the back end and with their goaltending. So I think this arguably the safest bet of this season is to bet the over in this Islanders Penguins game. And It's going to be tough for me to say this because they're on a four-game losing streak, but they're at home. They're playing a Penguins team who's also struggling. I'm going to take the Islanders at home and the over in that one. Senators hosting the Sharks tonight. It's been rough watching the Senators team, especially since the Duchesne trade, how they've fallen off. Sharks, one of, if not the best defensive teams in the league as as a group of forwards and defensemen. Talked about that Nashville team having some of the strongest defensemen, but as a team, the Sharks unit really defends well. They've allowed, I think they've allowed the least goals in the league. So, Senators team struggled to score goals as well. I'd I'd take the under in this one, even though it's probably going to be at five flat, not even five and a half. Still don't expect to see a whole lot of goals in this one. And I'm going to take the Sharks on the road. Panthers, Red Wings, Red Wings at home, still not going to take them because this Panthers team has been hot, winning five in a row coming into their last game, which they dropped. I'm expecting Reimer to start in net. I think he bounces back from that loss, and I'm going to take the Panthers on the road, 
and the under. Jets host the Sabres. Again, Sabres, not a great team that they have in Buffalo right now. They're, they're still building. The Jets, again, no Mark Shifley for them, but they've still done pretty well without him, still able to put up goals. They've got a dynamic group of forwards and defensemen, a great goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. They're at home. Expect them to get the win. I'm going to take the over as well because the Sabres, they got a couple guys that can score goals. Evander Kane, Jack Eichel, but other than that, not a whole lot. Rissa Linen, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he is playing in this game or if he receives that suspension. I doubt he will. I, well, if, if I was making the call, he wouldn't be suspended, but you never know with this, this darn NHL what they're going to call. But I'm going to take the Jets at home in the over in that one. Blackhawks hosting the Golden Knights tonight at home. Blackhawks have looked decent over this past stretch. Up and down, but won their last game. Golden Knights dropped again last night to St. Louis. I want to say they're going to bounce back after a 13-game point streak after and then taking a loss. I'd love to say they're going to bounce back, but it's a back end of a back-to-back for this Golden Knights team. They're on the road. They're on the road for both of these games. So to, to, to pick them to win on the road in the back end of a back-to-back is tough for me, especially in Chicago. It's a tough building to play, and I'm going to take the Blackhawks in the over in that one. And that's all the games we got for you tonight. That's going to wrap up the show. Thank you for listening, guys. Again, I'm Thomas Robertson, your host. This has been Outside the Glass, Episode 9. The website is live, brought to you by Pure Sports Network. Check it out, puresportsnetwork.com. We got all our podcasts on there, including Outside the Glass, podcast in NFL, NBA. We got a podcast covering all sports. We got college basketball. And, of course, we have articles generated from every sport. Definitely check those out. Give the website a click. It's a great-looking site, and we have fantastic content for you guys to read on there. And thanks for listening again, everybody. This has been Outside the Glass.